Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Bills Mafia, it is the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. And whether you're celebrating at home or away this weekend or next week or next month, Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football, entertaining, or any occasion. Ryan Talbot's in the house. I am Matt Perino. And Ryan, there's a lot for the for Bills fans to be celebrating right now. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, we, they needed to take care of business today and get a win so they they could re-enter that AFC East picture. Uh, now next week's game, you know, the division is on the line in that matchup. The Bills can pull out a win. So Bills took care of business. That's the first thing that uh, obviously stands out. But in terms of today's overall game, I think one player really stood out, and that was Gabriel Davis. Yeah, and it's something that like going into this week, I think we talked about it on the podcast a little bit on Friday night. You wrote about it in your things to watch. This was going to be uh, a, a bit of a showcase for Gabriel Davis with Emmanuel Sanders out of the mix. What does this offense look like with him in? And I think what he brings more than anything is that reliable intermediate target for Josh. And it's not that Stephon Diggs can't be that or even Cole Beasley or Emmanuel Sanders. I think all of those guys can be that. But you know, just having that size, I think that you see what kind of, you know, pressure and stress that puts on defenses. All week long, we talked about, you know, Gabriel Davis's impact on this Bills offense. And you saw it today and where he continues for me to be the most impressive and the most important for this Bills team is the red zone. And that's been an area of struggle all season long. What have been the, you know, the, the red zone issues? I think Gabriel Davis's size, reliable hands, they fix some of those problems because, you know, so much attention is placed on Stefan Diggs in the red zone, adding another, you know, bulky option like uh, like Gabriel Davis, who has some speed, who has good hands. You saw it pay off again today. Two touchdowns. He's now up to what is he on the season now, Ryan? Is that a, a five on the season? Six, Six on nine. the season. Four in the last three weeks. He's he's playing at a really high level. There's trust throughout the organization from Sean McDermott and Josh Allen all the way down to his teammates. You could see the way that, you know, guys just like, you know, rally around him and, and he continues to make plays when he's called upon. And that's a big thing for a young player 
we talked about this on a lot, a lot on the show the other day too, about guys that Brandon Bean has drafted and the, and how the Bills have developed those players. Gabriel Davis is another one of those day two picks that have, that is day, day three picks that have turned into, you know, really solid gold for this Bills team. I mean, he's sitting here right now. I tweeted it. I am 100% now in the mid, in, in the bucket where Gabriel Davis has to be wide receiver two on this team right now when Emmanuel Sanders comes back. And moving into the future next season, I think I think you found your uh, your wide receiver too here, Ryan. Yeah, I think that that case can be made. Listen, you, you kind of mentioned it. he's fast, uh, he's big, but he's not the best route runner on this team. He's not the fastest guy on this team, but he just gets open when Josh Allen needs him to. And, and you mentioned it, in the red zone that frame, that size, that allows him to kind of create a, a little bit of natural separation in terms of where Josh Allen can put the ball because. Uh, he's a little bit harder to get around where you can kind of move in Emmanuel Sanders a little bit. And Davis has been great. You know, his role this year has has been a little bit all over the board. In the beginning of the year, clear number four option behind Stefan Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, and Cole Beasley at receiver. You throw in Dawson Knox's emergence, and, and he's, he was dropping further and further down that pecking order. He's fifth on the team in targets right now, and yet six touchdowns, four in the last three games, as mentioned. A hundred yard game back in week 10 against the Jets. He's taking advantage of the reps that have been given to him this year. And now with Sanders being week to week and seeing how he played today, two big touchdowns, uh, one big catch where he had a lot of yardage after the play. He's showing those little things that he can do for this offense. And the offense is better with him out there. So you're right. The rest of this year, when even when Sanders is back, I think Sanders has to play second fiddle to Davis. Davis needs to be out there first and foremost. Red zone, he needs to become one of your top priorities because you can win with him. You can win on those slants. You can win on, on some different types of balls there. But he is just that good. He has proven himself again that uh, when Brandon Bean drafted him in the fourth round of the 2020 draft, he found himself a gem. Yeah, I mean, he was he he's just a, a guy that I think fits with his skill set, like we mentioned, and you know that's important. I think a lot of times, like you listen to a lot of like the some of the national guys that are you know have have scouting histories or you know uh, personnel histories. I, I really like to scour their podcasts more so in the off season during draft season, free agency, and 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 a lot of the things that I think is a, a similar theme amongst you know, NFL personnel people is when you're, you're building your offense, particularly the skill position spots, it's about building almost like a basketball team in a way, right? Like you get, you go out and you want to get your speedy guy. You want to get your, like, you know, your superstar, your, your do everything guy. You want to get maybe your, your small guy, your big guy, your physical guy. You, you want to try to find a little bit of a different flavor to kind of throw at teams. And I think what the bills have in Gabriel Davis is something that, you know, none of their other guys really are like that. Diggs can do a little bit of everything. He's in, he's a unicorn in a lot of ways. You know, he fits into any kind of bucket you want to, you want to make for him. But I think get, getting Gabriel Davis going at this time of year, the big thing for me though with Davis is can he stay healthy? You know, this is something that he plays a physical brand of football. He's had some toe foot issues his first two seasons. He dealt with something back in, uh, I think it was training camp or preseason that he was kind of something was ailing him for a while. Might have even been at the beginning of the season. I can't remember now. But if he stays healthy, I think that he becomes a real player. I've seen some stuff out there like, why did the Bills go out and go after Emmanuel Sanders with the way that Gabriel Davis, you know, played last year and how he's been playing? You still need guys, Ryan. You're still going to need depth. And I think what, what Emmanuel Sanders has brought to this team, maybe even more so than the production on the field and at times it's been really good. When Sanders has been at his best this season, he's been really good. 
I just think more that more importantly, it's what Emmanuel Sanders brings in the room, his experience. I think that that's very, very important. And I think that you just, you continue to add talent here. They went to the well with, with Sanders. They've been, they've been, uh, in on him for a long time. You get him in here on a one year situation. It sounds like he's probably eyeing retirement more than anything else. So this is a one year run. You know, he's going to play, go all out in the playoffs, uh, when you get there. And it's about getting there. And the Bills are set up really nicely right now. You know, the, the Patriots lose yesterday to the Indianapolis Colts. It was a good game. If you go back and listen to the show on Friday, it went a lot like I thought it was going to go minus Carson Wentz being enough for them to win. I mean, he almost did everything he could in the fourth quarter to lose that game. But we've talked about this. We're both in agreement. Carson Wentz just, you know, he's really regressed to, I think, a problematic place. When when the games get harder and teams sell out to stop the run, and listen, Michael Pittman's a good player, and you know he got ejected in the second half, which I thought was a little bit nonsensical uh, from a referee standpoint. I don't know if he did enough to get tossed. I don't even know if Dogger did enough to get tossed, to be honest with you. Listen, it's a physical game. Sometimes guys are going to have exchanges. I don't think we should go right to tossing guys. You could change the complexions of games, but Pittman specifically, not having the, him there in the fourth quarter, you could tell they missed him. But the Patriots go out. Mac Jones goes down early. They make a couple mistakes. And, you know, to his credit, he made a, a bit of a comeback in the second half. But a lot of that came because I think that the Indianapolis Colts went into like kind of a prevent style defense. And so you get to the end of that game. The Patriots now only one game ahead of the Bills because the Bills took care of business. It's all about controlling your own destiny. That's what the Bills have in front of them. They went out. They win their final three games. They are the AFC East champs. And it's something that I'm predicting them still, like I did on Friday, for them to do because I just don't believe enough in the Patriots. And I think that the Bills have found some things, even with the issues. that, And we're talking about the offensive line, too, in a moment. They were dealing with the last 72 hours. They found a way to come out here, have a really good game offensively against what I still think is a really good defense in Carolina and get a win. And we saw what they did to this offense. Yeah. Listen, despite some really, you know, tough losses, last minute losses, um, some blowout losses and some embarrassing losses like ones to Jacksonville, the Bills still kind of control their fate when it comes to the AFC East, at least. And uh, that's, you know, impressive. And that's really saying something with a few weeks to go. So if they go and take care of business next week at Gillette Stadium, you're back in first place in the division. You have winnable games at home against Atlanta and the Jets left. And again, we haven't seen this Bills team necessarily win back-to-back games in quite some time, but now is the time to do it. Now is the time where this Bills team needs to stack those wins to show that they can enter the playoffs on a hot streak. Just because you're starting to see Kansas City kind of pull ahead a little bit there and in in terms of their record, I'm not sure they're going to stumble enough, but the Bills would have the head-to-head there. So the Bills need to take care of the AFC East first and foremost more than anything else right now. And I think now there's that path. After the the Colts did the Bills a favor on Saturday, the Bills took care of business today. Maybe the offensive line is back intact for this upcoming matchup. There's there's reason to think and hope so. And if that's the case, I think you could see a, you know, a really – high-powered Bills offense entered Gillette Stadium and kind of come come away with an impressive win. Yeah, I think almost everything that you wanted to have happen this week, for the most part, I mean, you probably would have liked maybe the Chargers to win. I don't know. I, I think the Chiefs winning is fine, too. I think I, I think at this point, you, you know, you, you figure the, the Chiefs are going to win their games. You're probably not going to catch them. Uh, and so, you know, 
knocking the Chargers down makes a lot of sense. You look across the board here, Ryan, even what's going on in the four o'clock games, Baltimore down a couple scores to Green Bay right now. Denver, you know, down to Cincinnati. You probably want them to try to win that game if they can. Uh, but either way, Denver and Cincinnati right in that kind of pile of teams. Tennessee goes down to Pittsburgh. They're starting to tail off quite a bit. You know, this is this is a situation where if you win the division, you're probably looking at, you know, if you win out the third or the even, maybe even the second seed in the AFC and a chance to host a couple playoff games, you're in a really good spot. And then you go back to the likely go back to the place, you know, that ended your season last year. And I think, you know, what we're seeing right now is like, listen, we don't know what's going to happen with COVID. That's the big thing that's been happening over the last, you know, 72 to, you know, four days, really, you know, where COVID is kind of really just flipped the script here in the, on the NFL season, the Browns game getting pushed off, the Rams game getting pushed off, things getting, uh, sh- the decks getting shuffled. The Bills finding out this morning that John Feliciano mm-hmm. uh, had tested positive for COVID this morning. Sean McDermott said he found out between 9 and 10 a.m. and they had to kind of switch things on the fly. He met with his trainer, Brandon Bean. They, they went through their options. They called Brian Dable and um, basically let him know who he was going to have to work with. And then Spencer Brown said he didn't even find out about uh, all the changes until the time that he walked into the locker room. So this is something that, you know, they were already probably reeling a little bit. Now, Spencer Brown downplayed, you know, Deion Dawkins being out. They were ready. They made their adjustments on Friday. They had a plan. You know, he had to get his reps in. We're going to talk about Spencer Brown in a second, but they had a plan. But then you add another layer to this. And this is just going to be something that it's a it's a good fire drill, Ryan, to have, because this is something that's not going away. This is something that could happen here over the next couple of weeks. Put Josh Allen in a bubble somehow, because, you know, over the next seven days, I mean, there is not a more important person in Western New York to keep safe and away from COVID than Josh Allen ahead of that game and that rematch where, you know, I think you want to see Josh Allen without the uh, potentially without the Allens. I haven't looked at the weather report yet, and we know how things can get down in Boston. Uh, or Foxborough for those games, but you need Josh Allen in that game and you need him at a hundred percent. And, and he looked pretty good today in terms of uh, the, the, the foot injury. Yeah. Uh, you know, first and foremost with the foot injury, you could tell that running Allen was not part of the game plan. They didn't want to see that get worse uh, or have something happen where he had a setback. He ran one time. It was more of a, uh, not a designed run. It was more of a scramble with pressure coming and he still was able to get 26 yards on that run. So he was good there. Completion percentage hovered around 55%, but he did throw three touchdowns in the win, uh, which was pretty impressive considering the line play in front of him. He was under pressure and duress very early in the game, those first two series especially. Uh, The line did settle in at certain times, but overall, I thought Allen had a nice game considering what he had to work with uh, with that offensive line. But you're right. Uh, We've seen kind of COVID here wipe out a lot of rosters in terms of key players, important players, and it's something that you need Allen to be good to go for this upcoming game with, with the division on the line. So as you said, put him in a bubble, uh, keep him away from everyone as best you can, because this is such a big game. This is, you know, we talked about the last Patriots game as being the biggest game left of the bill season. Well, no, this one is the biggest game left. They take care of business here. Then they, they determine kind of their own fate the rest of the way. So Keep them healthy. Keep this Bills team healthy. Hopefully you have Dawkins and Feliciano back and you can actually get a good look at what you want this line to look like come playoff time and let them work on their chemistry the last three weeks of the regular season. Yeah, and this is a Carolina Panthers team 
that is really stingy against the pass. And that's something that I think you got to put out there right away. I know that there was some talk about maybe the Fox halftime team being pretty tough on Josh Allen uh, over the course of halftime. I think sometimes we forget about what these teams are that, you know, the teams are going up against 193 passing yards. You got the run game going a little bit. We'll talk about that in a, in a little while. The um, Carolina Panthers hold teams to 177 yards through the air per game. The Bills are at about 193, so about that mark. But only five teams in the NFL, Ryan, have allowed less passing touchdowns. We're talking about one of the elite defenses in the NFL. You look at any statistical uh, barometer, they got two pass rushers that, uh, you know, near or, or above 10, 10 sacks this year, this week. And that's, I think where we, or this season, that's where we can probably go from here because Spencer Brown, I wrote about him tough afternoon for him. And it was a crazy 72 hours. I guess we could kind of take you through what happened with him. So he, he gets to work on Friday, Deion Dawkins, uh, it tests positive for COVID. He finds out that it, you know, it's going to be the move from right tackle to left t- tackle. When the season started, Spencer Brown was the swing guy. You know, Daryl Williams was still out on the right side. He struggled a little bit and that's when he got inserted as the right tackle, but he had not played a regular season snap at left tackle. And at times today, it really did show. Uh, but he started wrapping right away. Usually Fridays are walkthroughs. But Spencer Brown started taking live reps, going against some of the pass rushers, Bill's pass rushers in practice. He was kind of, you know, asking them to give him different looks based on what he saw on film from Burns, Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick. So he got as many live reps as he could on Friday, gets here on uh, Sunday morning, gets a couple more reps in, and then it's off to the races. Over the last week, he's really talked to Laura Williams, who spent a lot of time in Carolina, obviously, his first few seasons in the league familiar with Burns and um, you know, not so much Reddick, but some of their, their pass rushers on that side of the ball and, you know, basically got some tips. And so he took that out. He was kind of back and forth on the sideline with Williams over the course of the game, busting out there, but you know, little things we forget sometimes as good as Spencer Brown has played. He is such a young raw player that hasn't even seen barely anything in this league yet. And I think that that goes to what Sean McDermott said after the Jets game, where he only allowed one pressure Slow your roll on putting him in the Hall of Fame. This is a kid that's still got to go through some development and, you know, go through some uh, tough times in this league. Today was one of them. Last week was one of them. He gave up five pressures against the Tampa Bay defense at right tackle, switches over to left tackle today. He was penalized five times today. Only four were upheld, three holding penalties. And obviously that taunting uh, penalty was the, the one where finally it was, you know, Sean McDermott had had enough. He pulled him out, benched him for a few plays, gave him a little bit of a talking to. And, you know, Spencer Brown didn't mince any words. He basically said it was deserved. I, I, I put my team in jeopardy with a lot of, you know, I was being an idiot out there was this quote. Mm-hmm. He said he wished Sean McDermott would have taken him to the woodshed and beat him up, up a little bit. <laughs> so this was a type of game where I think there was some frustration you know, amongst fans watching him play, but I think also an appreciation for for Deion Dawkins uh, and what they missed with him out of the lineup. Yeah, you know, you can go a lot of different ways with this. If you want to talk about the taunting penalty, I agree completely. Boneheaded play, something that wasn't necessary. Devin Singletary just had a nice run, and then you hurt your team by doing that. The holding penalties, it's almost hard to to hold those against him because, as you mentioned, Matt, he doesn't have a lot of experience playing left tackle. If you go back to the college days, if you go back just at all, he is more of a, a natural right tackle. He's not someone that you, you can necessarily throw over there. And yet, the Bills needed to because of the way this offensive mm-hmm. line uh, was set up going into this game. They didn't want to have... Uh, Tommy Doyle or Bobby Hart take on the responsibility of playing that left tackle role all four quarters. 
So they went to their young rookie, the, the guy that's flashed at times at right tackle, and said, we need you to play this position that really you don't have a lot of reps doing, especially with the Bills. So I think the holding calls were to be expected. I think the struggles were to be expected. This line as a whole uh, had their fair sh- share of struggles against Carolina. But you mentioned it. Carolina's defense is uh, top in the league in a lot of areas. They were you know, total yards, passing yards. They were top 10 in sacks coming into this game. This was a tough test for this Bills team. And, and with two of your starting offensive linemen out, I, I, I find it hard to put too much fault on the holding penalties on Brown just because of the scenario that he was thrown into, the fact that it happened so late in the week. Uh, this wasn't something like Dawkins being out on Monday and saying, OK, I have a full week of reps to get used to. You mentioned it was at the end of the week and he was kind of thrown into the fire there. So. You know, you, you take the good with the bad. The, the Like I said, the taunting penalty, that was a bad one. The holding, though, I, I'm not shocked. It's it's We saw Daryl Williams. The Bills got Daryl Williams on, on the cheap last year before they re-signed him in this offseason because Carolina kept moving him around their offensive line. He, he started at four different spots, and there's one side of the line where he just wasn't good. So it's not so easy just to flip a player around, whether you're talking left guard to right guard, right guard to left guard, right tackle, left tackle, etc., and I think that Brown, for the most part, despite those holding penalties, he did enough to help the Bills win this game. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Welcome. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you. Uh, hit that like button. Subscribe to the channel as well. We're on the uh, we're on the. Uh, the drive to uh, 5,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. We appreciate you guys so much. And shout out to Tops, uh, our, our loyal sponsor from Hot to Go Pizza and Appetizers, Signature Fried Chicken, Baby Back Ribs and Subs, Delicious Salads and Brownie Trays. Tops has everything you need to feed the hungriest fan. And speaking of feeding the hungriest fan, I went to a Christmas party yesterday, Ryan, and we do this thing every year at this family, our family Christmas party where everybody goes out and gets gift cards. And we, we put them all in the middle and then everybody kind of goes and it's like uh, the white elephant. Uh, is it a white elephant game where you go numbers and you got to go and pick yeah. them up and then you get to yeah. trade or no, like nasty, nasty Christmas or, or there's like 20 different names for it. Okay, they, okay. Both, they both work. So I <laughs> ended up getting a couple different ones. Some people stole some stuff from me. And my final steal was this one right here. Look at this. Damn. Tops $25 beauty. And guess what? It was supposed to be 20. A few people got the message wrong and they went for 25. So not only did I get the tops, but I, you know, I got $5 more than I put into the pot. So like, listen, wins all over the place. It felt good. It felt really good. <laughs> I'm glad you came away with those five extra dollars. That's good for a, a, a solid breakfast pizza there. Uh, some honey crisp apples, you know, a little bit of everything. I, I like it, Matt. I like it a lot. Is there another, is there something else you want to talk about with that family party or maybe a game you lost? I saw a video of something uh, on social media from uh, Caitlin. I don't know. Uh, just, so just out there. first off, I noticed you just threw in the Honeycrisp because I mentioned on the show the other night that I started buying them. I'm not, I'm not team Honeycrisp now. So just back all the way off of that. <laughs> um, number one. Number two, yeah, we, we had like a beer pong party or a game at the party where – you know, it, it, you line up everybody at the party in two lines and then you just go one on one. The first one to hit one eliminates the other person. And I ended up going on my second round against my mother in law. And the first one, first of all, I felt it was my mother in law. Like, what do you want me to do here? I'm not going to, I'm not sitting there trying to, you know, win, you know, win it at all costs. So the first one, I, I did a Michael Jordan. I turned to the side, 
I got my arm ready. I closed my eyes and I let it go. And I'll tell you this right now, Ryan, I was talking to my, um, my brother-in-law behind me. It was probably the one that was closest to going in of any I threw. And then I threw, ended up throwing like five or six more, missed all of those ones. She won. There's a picture of her celebrating. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Sometimes you got to take it out. Sometimes you got to give back this time of year, Ryan. Okay. There you go. Um, Speaking of giving back, giving the Bills defensive front gave it to the Carolina Panthers today. And listen, I thought first and foremost, the the Panthers offensively were limited going into this game, uh, playing behind Cam Newton, who's trying to get up to speed uh, behind a really bad offensive line. And then, oh, by the way, during warmups, they lose their kicker, Zane Gonzalez, who uh, strains his quad uh, during warmups, falls down. He's got to actually be helped to the to the locker room. So going into the game, the Panthers basically said, we're not kicking the ball. I mean, you know, they, they had a wide receiver uh, that ended up kicking, doing kickoffs, squibbing it down there. They attempted no field goals or extra points. They, the both touchdowns they scored, they, they did two-point conversions. They got one. They failed one. And so it was a situation where there was a lot of pressure on that Carolina offense to make something happen against a defense that, you know, pretty much was gearing itself up to stop the run. Uh, Panthers ended up with 275 yards of total offense. 151 rushing, 124 through the air. Uh, Cam Newton ran it 15 times for 71 yards and a touchdown. He was pretty effective uh, as a runner, but I think the Bills were okay with that, especially as the offense was uh, kind of executing and making plays. And then you saw down the stretch in the second half, the defensive line really start to get cooking. Uh, This was four, I believe it was four total sacks for the Bills. Two for Effie Obata in the revenge game. And Star Latulale, who didn't get the start today, Harrison Phillips got the start. He had one as well. But Effie Obata, it could be a nice little, you know, he's had these games before where he's had a nice game. I'm go back to the preseason. He had another one earlier this year. This could be something maybe for him to kind of build upon as the Bills look for more at, at the edge rushers position. Yeah, listen, uh, F.A. Obata last year in Carolina, his sack total would have led the Bills. So we, we talked about there being uh, the fact that he was still kind of scratching the surface on who he was as a player because he, he comes over from the International Pathway Program. He's uh, not necessarily old by NFL player standards, but he doesn't have a lot of NFL experience. So even though he's a little bit older, he's still a, a young NFL player in a lot of ways. So we saw him flash today. Two sacks in that that one of the final drives that Carolina had, I think two on on a three plays. It was the second down play that set up a, uh, or maybe it was first time set up a really long second down. And then he obviously on fourth down, and he looked like he was shot out of a cannon on both plays. And that's what the Bills have kind of been missing that that initial first move and that burst to get by the offensive lineman and get after the quarterback. Um, and, and it wasn't just FAO body today. You saw Jerry Hughes get in there and, and bat a pass on fourth down to lead to a turnover on downs. You mentioned Latulale with the sack. Addison missed a few sacks, but he had a, a few tackles for loss. Phillips had uh, pass, def- you know, pass defense, and I thought it was a really good way to respond after Sean McDermott kind of called out the defensive line earlier this week when he said, "Yeah, I need more from that front four. And they showed up. Maybe they didn't. They don't have a game changer in terms of getting after the quarterback, and and I don't think they do this year. But at least you saw them as a collective unit do quite a bit today. And I, I mentioned though in this game, I said, you know, Carolina d- didn't have a kicker, and they don't have a true quarterback in this matchup because Cam Newton is a shell of his former self right now. He is a one trick pony. He can he runs the ball well, and he can he can hit the the very simple pass plays. 
But when it comes to anything intermediate, deep, I have zero faith in, in Newton as a quarterback anymore. You saw on DJ Moore, he's wide open. That should have been six. Not only does he underthrow the, I mean, he underthrows the ball terribly to the point where Dane Jackson can get back underneath it and make a play. So Carolina was a little bit handcuffed in a lot of ways today. Uh, they clearly don't have any option at the QB position, and and with Gonzalez Zane Gonzalez out, they they didn't have any way to uh, kick some field goals that maybe they were in position to do so today. Yeah, and I think what you say there is important. It's like this is we've seen this movie you know, half dozen times this season, the bills play well in these spots. I mean, their defense feasts on bad quarterback play and really one dimensional offenses in general. And, you know, unless somebody does something really good in the run game, you know, obviously Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. And speaking of which, if you want to talk about a team that has the inside track to be potentially a problem. And I, I mean, maybe this is a question that we could talk about a little bit, because like, where do you want to play the Colts? If you're the bills, because you probably figure that some way or another, you're going to run into them in the playoffs. Where do you want to play them? Right now, you're sitting there, at, at the Colts, at 8-6. and six. They have the tiebreaker of the Bills in several ways. Their AFC record, I believe, is better than the Bills. Um, they have the head-to-head matchup. They have three re- remaining games against the Cardinals, who looked horrible today and <laughs> lost to the Detroit Lions. And so, really, I mean, that, that game does not look tough at the moment versus the Raiders and then at the Jaguars. So, right now... It's looking like the Colts probably win out and sit there at 11 and six and potentially have a really good chance with two more games in the conference, even at the one seed, if the Chiefs go down. So you figure the Colts probably get that two seed if they can catch catch the Tennessee Titans. And I, I think that that's possible at this point, Ryan. Absolutely. I mean, the Titans look like a team that's grasping for answers with without some of their key offensive positions players do you want but here's the question i wanted to bring up do you want to play and we're going to get talk more about this game before we get out of here but this is important because we're starting to look at how this field is going to come together and i feel like out of all the teams this includes the patriots i think the colts to me present the biggest challenge even if you go back to last year and the bills taking them out 27 to 24 i just i think that they know who they are almost more than any team right now in the afc maybe outside of the chiefs Although that offense really you know, hadn't looked like what it's been till this this last game here on Thursday against the Chargers, and they look like okay, all of a sudden they're back. So that's a whole other conversation. But the Colts, for me, do you want to play them in Buffalo and have that home field advantage, or are you okay with them potentially being the two seed, going on the road and playing in the dome and letting Josh Allen take his chances against their defense, and 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 hopefully your your air air attack can can score more points than Jonathan Taylor can on the ground. Oh, yeah, I'm team dome in this scenario. Go on the road and play the Colts. I, that is more beneficial to Josh Allen in this offense. Uh, I don't think a slippery field that which it very well could be in Buffalo that time of year would benefit them necessarily in terms of stopping Jonathan Taylor. I think Taylor uh, from his time at w- Wisconsin in terms of his, his NFL career, he's shown that it doesn't matter in terms of the elements he can run on just about kind of playing surface. So I would definitely rather play on the road where it, I think it's more beneficial for your offense. I think they're figuring things out with this passing game with Gabriel uh, Gabriel Davis and, and having Dawson Knox as a difference maker. Obviously, Stefan Diggs, you should have Emmanuel Sanders back by then. Cole Beasley, who's seeing, you know, his role's kind of uh, been minimized a little bit here, too. I would take that matchup where the passing game can go out and attack the secondary versus one where, they might be limited. They might be handcuffed. And, and again, you're going to find yourself in a situation where 
the Colts aren't going to hesitate to hand the ball off to Taylor early and often in Buffalo. So in, in that specific game, absolutely send the Bills on the road. Yeah, it's 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 going to be tough either way. I mean, if you look at this, how the how the AFC standings look right now, the Bills are the eight seed uh, right now. Now that could that could change, especially with the the division in the balance next week. But really, you know that that tells you how important not only the division is, you know, getting the division, but winning the rest of your games. If you don't somehow win the division, there's too many teams in the mix here, Ryan. So you're talking about. You know, the difference uh, in going on the road, like right now, let's just say for argument's sake, they were sitting in the seventh seed. That would mean a trip to New England. Then on the road against Kansas City and then potentially a game with the Colts in the AFC title game. If that were any way you look at it from from that perspective, you know, at the seventh seed or sixth seed, however that ends up working out if they don't win the division or if they'd win the division and some of the games that they're going to have to be, they're probably going to have to beat two really good teams to get to the Super Bowl. The most important thing is staying healthy and maybe playing the COVID game as, as teams kind of navigate that over the next couple of weeks. I'm okay with the bills being on the road this year in these playoff games. They've already beaten Kansas city on the road. I think that the, the dome uh, against the Colts would be more beneficial to this team. Yes. Home field advantage is great, but this is not a, the, the nineties bills with Thurman Thomas and all this. They're more of a one-dimensional team, despite Devin Singletary, who we're about to talk about here in his impressive performance today. So, uh, Homer away, if the Bills can get to the playoffs, I, I think they can make a run, but I think they're almost better off in some of these scenarios going on the road. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Baltimore. If Baltimore loses, they go to 5-6, and six, which will be a worse record than the Bills. So the Bills will shoot to the seventh seed. And, uh, the, oh, the, no good. Did uh, not convert. Wow. So the Bill, Bills fans are rejoicing. No, they, they went, for, went two. for two in the win. Hunt, they Huntley went for two. They yeah. went for two. Wow. So, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, he's been so aggressive this year uh, in every spot. And, you know, we've been complimentary of it. But this is a this is a week, week 15, where you go to the, the Chargers game. Brandon Staley had being aggressive on fourth down over and over again. I think it was five times they went for it. Uh, and, you know, a couple field goals here and there might have uh, been the difference in that game. I don't think that there's any perfect recipe in this league. I think you got to play the game uh, the, the way it is. I also I kind of like that call, even though it's it's gutsy there by John Harbaugh, because you give the when you give the ball back to Aaron Rodgers in that spot, Unless you're going to win the toss and you're going to score a touchdown and end the game, there's always a chance that he's going to come down and, and, and do it. There's a few quarterbacks in this league, Tom Brady included, and that's why I would have been okay on that fourth down last week. The Bills going for it on fourth down. They didn't. Tom Brady comes back. They, they, they basically win it. So it's just what you feel most comfortable with. But, you know, I, I don't feel like I ever want to fault a guy for having confidence in his group and going for the win because we've seen it work. Uh, time and again, especially in a game where, you know, Baltimore probably shouldn't have even been been in this game. I mean, going to the fourth quarter, I'm sure, pretty sure they were down two scores. Yeah, they, they absolutely were. And I, I get the decision in this case. It's your backup quarterback. He's played really well. But in if it goes to overtime, uh, Aaron Rodgers and that offense, you know, you, you have to feel like they're going to make a play on the ball. So you, you just want to do what's best for the team. And, and yep, there we go. Green Bay recovers the onside kick. So this one's going to be over. Uh, so I understood the circumstances, especially here. I get Staley saying, you know, uh, that's who I am. That's how I want to play. And that was the way he actually beat Kansas City earlier this year. It was they went for it on a fourth down play where they got actually backed up to the fourth and nine. And they ended up converting and winning it. So 
they've done it before with success against KC, and in this time, not kicking the field field goals maybe cost them but you're right there's no one recipe there's no one right way to do something so i i got it in this scenario i was all for it and it just didn't pay off for baltimore let's get into devin singletary here today because i think a couple things interesting about his game obviously a season high in rushing yards for devin singletary he goes 22 carries for 86 yards averages 3.9 uh, a carry the one uh 16 yard touchdown a uh, really nice play uh, that opened up the scoring for the Bills. Uh, after a couple of drives stalled out, it took until the second quarter to get things going. And then the offense kind of started humming. And a lot of the reason for that was the way the running game got going today. And so I think that's a good sign. Season high rushing, season high carries for for Devin Singletary. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit more. 22 carries. He was the featured back. Only one carry for Matt Breida today. Josh Allen only ran it three times and this was a game where, listen, the, the the Carolina offense wasn't really threatening you. So it was a game where you can kind of get your run game going a little bit more. But I like the decision to make Devin Singletary the featured back. Sean McDermott didn't want to go, go into plans moving forward. But I think that this is kind of the model. If things aren't going well for Devin Singletary over the course of a half, sure, flip things up, try to make an adjustment, go to Matt Breida maybe in the second half. But this is the first time Devin Singletary got more than any Buffalo Bills running back got more than 20 carries in a game since 2019 when the Bills went on the road and beat Pittsburgh to clinch the AFC East two years ago now. It's just too long. I, I think that in this league, running game is a, is a finicky type of thing. I think a lot of it comes down to continuity getting comfortable and you could just see it in Devin Singletary's face. It's like, we ask him these questions over and over again. And and you could see, it's like, what do you want me to say, man? Like, I'm not going to like throw my team under the bus or my coach under the bus. Like, of course I want the ball more, but you know, it, it, I, I would imagine I'm putting words in his mouth there, but you know, He's a guy that came out today. He looked really good. And I think this is kind of what I'd like to see them experiment with a little bit more with down the stretch, but I think it's going to be more passing next week and Josh Allen running against the Patriots. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the one thing I'll say about Singletary is I know he had the really nice touchdown run to get the bills on the board to start the game. I thought he had a lot of really impressive tough runs where he faced some contact early on, or there's just no uh, lane for him to run through. He had an offensive lineman in his way and he then was still able to keep his legs churning and pick up three yards or four yards on a play where it looked like there was nothing. There was one where I think he picked up eight or nine yards on a play where he had initial contact pretty far back. And so I thought he had a lot of really quality uh, runs today where we haven't necessarily seen that from Buffalo's run game a lot this year where they take on the contact, they still keep moving forward. We've seen a lot of tackles at or around the line, and I know he ended up with something like a 3.9 yard per carry average, but I, I thought he, I came away very impressed with his overall play today. Uh, I think they finally figured out maybe giving one player the overall workload might be the way to go going forward. You can still insert Brita in in certain situations, carries, pass game, etc., but let Singletary get into some kind of rhythm. Let him get things going. And, and you saw today that payoff uh, in, a, in a pretty big way for this Bills offense. We'll have two shows this week. We'll have hopefully uh, – actually, we do have a Wednesday guest. I'll keep everybody on pins and needles uh, mm-hmm. for that. So that'll be cool. Uh, and then we'll do our, our preview show probably fr- – is Friday Christmas Eve? Yeah, it's Christmas Eve. That might be a tough one. Ooh, we're doing some scheduling conversation here. Yeah, we might do <laughs> Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll come at you with two straight shows. We'll do a Wednesday show and a Thursday show this week. That might work. I don't know. Yeah. If not, if not, maybe we'll just make Wednesday one big show. We'll have the guests. We'll preview the Patriots. I mean, we don't need a lot of, uh, you know, 
content for the week to, to preview uh, round two with New England. So um, maybe we'll do all of that on Wednesday. We'll, we will see. Yeah. One, one thing I want to get into, Matt, though, is the fourth down defense of the Bills. They went into this game after the, uh, Carolina's kicker went down, knowing that they were going to have to be on the field for a lot of fourth downs. And there were five fourth down plays that the Panthers ran. The Bills stopped four of them. So I, I thought that they really showed up in a big way. I think it's a little bit of a challenge, in fact, when you know that, okay, this team, it's it's not three down territory. It's four down territory for them most of the game, unless they're really far backed up. They're going to keep going for it. And the Bills responded. There were a lot of scenarios where or situations where uh, the Panthers were in favorable situations and the Bills came up with a big play, def- uh, deflected passes, uh, good coverage. We had Levi on the receiver. Matt Rule after the game actually said that was supposed to be a run play. Cam Newton never should have thrown that ball. Uh, it should have been an RPO with him either handing it off or running it himself. So he he seemed a little bit angry about that one. But overall, I thought the Bills defense really stepped up in a big way on fourth, those fourth down scenarios uh, because of the spot that they were in, knowing that they'd have to go four downs rather than three today. Yeah, and I think uh, maybe a, a comment her mentioned it. Uh, I thought that uh, Vernon Butler raised his level of play today, and that was you know something I think that the staff wanted to see if in case they they do need to rely on him down the stretch, somebody gets banged up. I mean, Starla Tulele has been uh, you know dealing with various injuries over the course of the season. Um, Harrison Phillips, we know his injury history, and he's always kind of one big injury away from from missing some time. So that's a, a big development. I thought it was interesting that when Dane Jackson went out for a stinger earlier in the game, game, Saran Neal was the guy that they went to on the bench. I would have thought it would have been Cam Lewis. The more I thought about it, though, it made sense that, uh, you know, they wanted to go with maybe the more sure tackler, knowing that, um, maybe not sure tackle. I think Cam Lewis is a really good tackler, but more physical, bigger body guy with Cam Newton looking to run as much as he was in this game. And so, yeah, I think across the board, it was a game where there was a bad taste in the Bills' mouth. They came out here, you know, they, uh, I don't want to say they made a statement because this was a game that, you know, this was how it was supposed to look. And these are our games where this is how it's supposed to look. I, I, I think most, you play this 10 times and I don't even think the, you know, the, the, Panthers score more than uh, 10 points. And that's why I had the prediction to be 24 to 10. I was, I was getting close there in the fourth quarter, Ryan. There was uh, a couple different plays where had the bills uh, got down here and, and had a safety or something 24, 10 on the button. It would have been, it would have been perfect, but it ends up Joe B closer. Not bad. I, you know, I predicted uh 27, 13. So I was, I was right there too, there, Mr. Perino. I was right on almost on the cusp there with that 31, 14 finish. So we were both though. I mean, we, I think we were both on the money when we talked on front. See, this is the thing with Ryan. Um, what he doesn't understand is when he starts to get thrown shots out here, I can very easily just send him to time out and it becomes a much quieter more inclusive, more, just a, a gentler conversation. Okay. That's the problem. <laughs> so you need to have the producer screen up. See, a lot sure. of times what Ryan does is he'll just come in as the guest and then he has no control over what he does. It's true. It's true. I, what were you saying? I'm sorry. I was saying Excuse we were me. both on the money though. With our- All right. Yeah. So I, I think, listen, Here's the thing, you know, it was Ryan has a lot of great predictions every week. He comes on here. He backs it up. He's got great takes. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No. So, but we both mentioned Gabriel Davis before the game. So 
you know, stay locked in on nyupsyracuse.com, all of our shows, because we're not going to steer you wrong, Bills Mafia, even if Matt will kick me out a few times per show. No, that was, uh, I don't like kicking you out. I was uncomfortable with that. I was just really bummed out because I just, you know, I just saw you. You came in for, you came into town for a couple of days. We had a real bro moment when I was dropping you off at the hotel, gave you a little Christmas present. Yes. Why don't you let everybody know about the Christmas present? I put a lot of thought into those. I can't you believe did. you're not wearing it actually tonight. I'm really well, disappointed. We had to do the post game pressers. And I don't think that uh, some of those Bills players would have been impressed in my Ultimate Warrior t shirt as much as I am. So I'm looking forward to rocking that. I got a, a really cool retro WWE shirt from Matt and, and Elf pajama pants. So. Uh, I do have a pajama day coming up this week. I, I think it's going to clash with my Santa shirt, but I don't care. I'm going all out. I'm going to, I'm going to rock both this week. So I can't wait, Matt. That's great stuff. Um, I, I put a lot of time and thought into the shopping experience for both of those gifts. Uh, I was really bummed out because I was going to get an ultimate warrior shirt for myself. That way we can kind of be the tag team, rock That's them right. at the same time. Maybe I'll go out and get like, I don't know. I'll, I'll find something else to go get. Maybe I'll get like a, Big Papa Pump, if I could find a, a shirt like that, that would be pretty cool. Dude, I go. loved back in the day. It wasn't even his wrestling. I just love when you get on the mic and be like, Big Papa Pump is your hookup. Holla, if you hear me. I used to go around this? saying that. And the I love Scott it. Steiner I, references. Dude, WCW Scott Steiner was a vibe that I was really <laughs> feeling back in the day. Uh, anyway, we always got digress into wrestling talk. We can't go too much in this. If you are... Um, next week, uh, road game day after Christmas, before Christmas, whenever if you're hosting a large party, check out Top's huge selection of party platters for a delicious, effortless, and affordable, no stress way to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe, visit topsmarkets.com/slash fantasy foodball. Uh, Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. We will be back on Wednesday night. Like my man Rick said, we'll have one big show for you guys. We'll preview Bills versus Panthers. And then, uh, oh, yeah, somebody wants some Jake Paul talk. I can't get into that right now. I'll have to do a separate podcast for my fight takes at some point, Charles. <laughs> or hit me in the DMs. I'll give you all my uh, my hot takes. All right, everybody, enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll see you next week. Take care. Patriots Week is here. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. 